This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to our coaching and officiating podcast series. My name is Cam Trudell and I'm the project lead for coaching and officiating at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will look at what it takes to modernise Australia's coaching and officiating system. Each podcast, we will be joined by a special guest who will share experiences and practical tips on their topics. Today, we're joined uh, by Peter Condy, who's the CEO at the Australian Institute of Sport. Good afternoon, Peter. How are you? Afternoon, Cam. Very well. Nice to be with you. Peter, just thought we'd start with a really holistic view of Australian sport. Over the last 20 years, so much has changed. There's been so much growth in, in different areas and, and obviously technology and so on has really advanced. How have you seen the changes in sport and the impact in sport over the past 20 to 25 years? Well, it would be uh, presumptuous of me to talk back that far. So my involvement with high-performance sport really started um, from about 2005 uh, onwards, and that was really transitioning out of my previous role in, in business, and I was asked to, to do a review of um, – the sport that I was connected with, which happened to be the sport of sailing, which happened despite Australia's pretty good performances, very good performances at the uh, 2004 Olympics, um, the sport that I was engaged with um, came home empty-handed and, and so no medals at all. And I was asked to, because of my business strategy background, to do some work in in helping to turn that around. And you know, quite frankly, I had no real expertise in the area. I, I was engaged heavily in sport, whether it be my early days of running, which I didn't particularly enjoy, or my actual um, sailing uh, experience um, before I moved into business. Um, so really, that that was a great experience, though, because what it gave me was an opportunity to, to be engaged with uh, some really outstanding people who really knew quite a lot about high performance and gave me an excuse to go around and talk to a whole bunch of sports and a whole bunch of um, you know, coaches, athletes, um, managers in my sport nationally, internationally and overseas and to synthesise what we um, rather hopefully termed was the gold medal plan. Um, and fortunately for us, uh, the gold medal plan came good and Australia's won in sailing multiple gold medals uh, at every Olympic since. Um, it's not quite true, only one gold medal but three silvers in in, in Rio. Um, and, you know, if I think back to, to that as a little microcosm of, of, of what we're after, I think, um, uh, and it was actually um, Viktor Kovalenko, who's known as the medal maker, uh, uh, the head coach of that program, who really led me to this sort of understanding that um, what we really needed to be successful was um, three things, gold medal athletes, gold medal potential athletes, gold medal coaches, and gold medal support systems. And that without you take one of those, uh, one of those three legs of the chair away, it's going to fall over. Um, and so I think that, you know, when we look at the, the, um, the changes in the performance of, of Australia over a period of time, uh, and the, you know, we still punch well above our weight. You know, we're still, uh, an Olympic Games top 10, uh, in the world. Some people are disappointed with that. It's actually, you know, and I'm probably one of those because I think we can do better. Um, but, uh, it's a damn good performance for a country of, tw- 25 million people. Um, but, uh, you know, when we look at, at how those performances have changed at the elite level um, over the last 17 years or, or thereabouts, I think, 
you know, that that's where we've got to look. You know, where are we in terms of identifying, um, nurturing, retaining, um, developing uh, those athletes that have got, you know, the potential to be the best in the world? Where are we in terms of um, developing the coaches, certainly at the elite level, that are going to be able to, to, to take them along that journey or or move along that journey with them and where are we in terms of building the the right support systems and yeah look there's been lots of technological advances and so on but we do pretty well um in that um so i think that's that's where we we look when we look at our at our performance tra- trajectories um and certainly that's that's a model that sits that underpins what we're thinking about in terms of the priorities um, in the Australian High Performance Sports System, uh, in the AIS, and in the National Institute network that supports athletes around the country. It's incredible when you think about the role and the breadth of the role of something like the Institute with regards to how you support the multiple sports, understanding that the nuances between the, the team sports, the individual sports. What do you think the role is or the optimal role that you see from the community level to supporting you? Well, I think overwhelmingly it's about uh, introducing um, young um, athletes to, or potential athletes, young people to, to sport um, creating an environment where they really love their involvement with sport for all those reasons of physical fitness, of the social interaction that they get, the ability to challenge themselves, develop themselves. But at the end of the day, um, they won't make it through to to where we see them uh, in elite sport unless they have a real love of, of what they do. And uh, certainly coaches play an absolutely you know pivotal role in that and, and I can either think back to my days um, as a youngster or my kids days and in various sports you'd find those that um, that you know despite great intentions might really have turned the kids off um, uh, that particular sport or those that just created an absolutely um, terrific environment for for those kids to to thrive. Uh, develop, love their sport, really get engaged in not just doing exactly what the coach says, but really help with the coach helping them to think about their their own development and that sort of self-directed journey and and to be able to explore um, the limits of of their of their potential and and really be uh, fully engaged in it. And that's you know that's probably what what is successful, not always the sort of the traditional model that people think about when they think about um, coaching and and the way it's you know often um, portrayed, say in in movies. I can't don't ask me to name one right now, but you know you often um, see the the you know really hard nosed um, coaches yelling and so on. And you know I'm not sure that that's actually um, the model that that is going to hold us in in great stead these days, when you know we really want, as I say, those athletes who are pretty well rounded, engaged in their own development, love their sport, and quite and the, I think the research shows um, have a exposure to a to a great variety of sport uh, along the the way, and you know while there are, there are some examples of very you know, highly specialised, early specialisation in in certain types of sports that uh, that have produced very, very highly successful athletes over time. There's all 
also a really um, uh, sound body of evidence that says you know early specialization in mini sports is not what leads to, to great success and and part of that I suspect is skill development part of it is exposure to all sorts of different experiences and figuring out what they really like um, and part of it's just enjoying themselves and really uh, enjoying being part of that sort of sporting environment with all the, the sort of personal achievement and social uh, engagement that uh, that it can offer. Yeah, it's that, that adaptability and, and able to, to see things through different lenses is crucial. Knowing that we've got these different environments that people will enter into, having to understand what Japan would look like or what Rio looked like, um, is there ways that, that the AIS supports uh, the athletes once they get to that level uh, through the coaching or through whatever to to be exposed to those sort of environments. Well, certainly, I mean, the AIS's role is is um, in part to uh, administer the public funds that are that are um, directed to to en- enable those um, high performing athletes to be able to achieve on the on the world stage, and that's certainly something that uh, that that most athletes wouldn't be able to afford to do them. To do themselves, um, so that, so the AS does can absolutely contribute in terms of the funding that we provide to national sporting organisations to to support their strategies, the strategies we've agreed with them around providing international training opportunities, uh, international competition uh, opportunities, uh, supporting them to have, as I say, the, co- the those high potential athletes to have great coaching and to have great support systems uh, around them that's that is essentially our role um, to to ensure that across the broader system through the national sporting organizations programs supported by them by not just the Canberra campus of, of the AAS these days but rather by the broader network of of uh, state and territory institutes and academies of sport that provide those uh, distributed opportunities, geographically diverse uh, opportunities for athletes to, to develop in a really good daily training environment with great coaches, great peers, um, and to be able to do so um, in close to, in most cases, close to their their support systems, their family support structures and, and so on, which uh, I think is, is quite important. We're always trying to get, I think, what's the right balance between getting the critical mass and the the great thinking that you get when you bring um, groups of athletes and groups of coaches together um, into that sort of critical mass, but at the same time balancing that against the, the, the support systems that they need to be well-rounded um, young adults and and um and those that are well positioned to be successful, not just through sport, but in life after sport. Uh, and sport can be a great, a great way of preparing um, uh, young people for you know what happens when you when you knuckle down and 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 work hard and and focus on how you can improve and um, developing all sorts of other skills around how to interact with teammates and uh, how to support each other and so on. It's a great developmental uh, environment. And I think we're damn lucky that the um, Olympic Committee has been able to secure the 2032 Brisbane Games because I think it just brings a, a focus to those opportunities. And you know, I think there's a lot of positive things happening around uh, our sporting system at the moment, particularly our elite sporting system. And um and it gives us that opportunity to really springboard off those recent changes and to to really, you know, achieve our aim of 
truly being a world-leading sporting nation, world-leading sporting system. Yeah, that's again. I think it is a really exciting opportunity. What do you see the the you know the short term and maybe the long term future looking like? Knowing that you're starting to get some really exciting pieces of work done here at the AIS around the task force and so on. What do you see the future looking like? What do you what do you what are you heading towards? Well, I think I've just sort of touched on it there is, you know, we have um, what I think is a pretty balanced set of aspirations um, for the system, which is that, you know, unequivocally we want to be able to deliver, um, we want our athletes to be able to win medals, stand on the podium at major international events like the Olympic Games, the Paralympic Games, Commonwealth Games. Um, and But that's not the only thing we're after here. We're really... Um, uh, investing quite heavily and I think having quite a lot of success in um, the the um, helping to produce those well-balanced, well-rounded athletes who are uh, role models for, for their um, communities and engage with their communities. So that's the second um, set of objectives. And our, and our third uh, is what I just touched on, which is having what we describe as a as a truly world leading system and in a in a world leading system i think we we have a, a system that that uh, is able to support those identify and support those athletes most likely to be able to uh, succeed on the world stage um, we'll have a system that's uh, outstanding at identifying um, developing um, retaining the very best um coaches in particular, uh, and that's the, the subject of the, the, the work that's going on right now to create that, that outstanding coach development environment in the, the high performance sector. And I know, as, as, as you know, we're working really hard to link with the work that you're doing who um, Sport Australia in community coaching, and it's, uh, those have separate requirements, but, but a lot of commonalities. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, we're very pleased that we're working, I think, very effectively uh, across the the system to ensure that, that that's very well connected and and we're leveraging off the insights that you've generated and and vice versa. Um, so I think you know we could we could talk about a range of things that uh, that that would comprise a world leading system, but you know that's what we want to have and and I think that. Um, you know, the what's required to be there has certainly moved a lot um, over time. And um, we've just this year celebrated the 40th anniversary of, of the AAS and, and that came about back in 1981 because, you know, essentially uh, Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser and, and others in his cabinet decided that uh, that the um, the the performances of Montreal in 1976 weren't really what the uh, the Australian public expected, and uh, and the AAS as a as a as a centralised um, uh, hub of of great uh, developing athletes, great coaches, great sports scientists, sports medicine practitioners um, really made a massive difference um, in the period immediately following the AIS's opening in 1981, certainly right up to 2000, 2004. But um, like all systems, we have to, if we want to stay at the top, we have to move forward. And, you know, one of the great strengths I think that we have now, and it was indeed foreshadowed by um, uh, Don Talbot, who was the initial um, uh, director of the AIS, that, you know, in his view, one day we'd have an institute in each state. Well, we do. 
Um, and we have had that for a little while now, but what we've got in more recent times is a recognition that if we're going to, to, to be a world leading system, then we need to be highly coordinated and collaborative across that, that system. So we've got a, a real, um, national approach to how we support uh, our athletes and our teams and our sports um, and that I think is is a major means that it's a major game changer I think that uh, all of those resources and the significant resources put in by all of the states are really um, coordinated and marshaled and and insights are shared rather than duplicated across the system work is um, uh, research uh, insights are, are um, leveraged for the benefit of all um, I think that um, that we've got a really good good um, um, base there for for that sort of system that can support athletes no matter where they are across the country and we as I say we we work with the sports and with the institutes to to make sure that um, we've got a really good balance of that bringing together that critical mass finding ways that uh, in a more modern environment of, of really connecting um, the coaches, uh, for example, to learn from one another. You know, what does that, you know, what are those mentor relationships look like? What does it look like to be an apprentice coach um, in, uh, or a scholarship coach, uh, different terminologies for somewhat the same thing? Um, because, you know, we can, we can teach people a lot about coaching uh, in a classroom, but it's not nearly enough. Uh, it's uh, that opportunity to work with the greats um, who've built their um, their craft and their, their that art and craft of combined with science, if you like, that uh, that really makes for an outstanding coach. And in this day and age, coaches um, is not enough to be a technical expert or a tactical expert. Um, the the biggest um, requirement. Um, that's almost got to be a given. And what you need to have is uh, people who are outstanding at dealing with individuals that are outstanding at, at developing those individuals and getting the best out of them, understanding uh, how to communicate to them effectively, how to give them really effective feedback um, to be able to, to guide them and collaborate with the athlete uh, um, in order to, to be able to uh, help them to be their best. It's no doubt about it, definitely an exciting time and that cohesive operating model with regards to some really clear roles and, and responsibilities and, and setting ourselves all up for success, I think is a really exciting prospect for Australian sport collectively, uh, whether you live in the community, it's something to really sort of celebrate, but I also think something to really get behind and, and aspire to knowing the Brisbane Olympics is such an exciting prospect. Thanks very, very much for your time this afternoon, Peter, we really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about coaching and officiating or have any feedback or questions, please email us at workforce at sportoz.gov.au. My name is Cam Trudell and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Coaching and Officiating series.